Welcome to the Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast, where today we will be listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Brent Russell. If you have your Bibles, smartphones, or tablets, want to follow along, we're looking at that passage that was read in Romans chapter 8, verses 22 to 39. And this is Lenten, it's the second part of Christus Victor, Christ the Victor. You know, according to, to some articles, Perth is one of the prettiest towns in Ontario. And I believe it. I think it's true. And I'm sure you've noticed, though, that although it's one of the prettiest towns in Ontario, we're not in heaven yet. We still live in a world where hatred is real, despondency is ramp rampant, disease is prevalent, and grief is all too frequent, and things are not always as they should be. We're surrounded by beauty, and yet life is messy. So how then shall we live? Most of you have come to know Jesus. Most of you would testify that Jesus has come into your life, and he's made your life better. But you also would say, my life is not perfect. There are areas of struggle and challenge. Jesus is in us, and yet he hasn't fixed all our problems. How then should we live? Last week, I, I started the series, Christus Victor. Christ is the victor. How is, it, how is that true when life is hard? That's what we want to take a look at today. Let me give you the quick synopsis of where we were last week. For the past three, four hundred years, the, the primary metaphor we have used to understand Christ's work on the cross was a, a legal metaphor. We've broken God's laws, and the penalty for that is spiritual death. But Jesus paid the penalty. We just sang about it. He took our place. So uh, to become a Christian means to, to ask Christ to forgive us of our sin, to take our sin away. We're going to follow him. It's a good metaphor. Maybe it misses a few things. But for the first thousand years, the primary metaphor or understanding of the cross was Christus Victor. Humanity was trapped by evil, held in the grip of death, captured by sin. Satan and death was victorious over us, and yet Christ came. And because of what he did on the cross, he battled evil and Satan and sin and death and was victorious over him by his life, death, and resurrection. Christ conquered. Christ is victor. Christus victor. And the call of the church and the mission of God's people is to live in light of that victory. We're called to partner with Christus Victor to overthrow evil and to reconcile and redeem all of creation. The problem we looked at last week was that we're called to partner in overthrowing evil, but oftentimes we really don't believe in evil. We looked at how we sanitize the problems of our world and call them sad, or we call the problems mistakes or dysfunctions, and the list could go on. But the reality of it is that there is evil in our hearts. There is a lot of evil in our world. And Satan is real, and his job is to promote evil. When you don't see the problem for what, we, what 
problems for what they are, we have difficulty dealing with them. The problem that we looked at last week is we, we tend not to believe in evil. The problem that I want to look at this week is that when we come to believe in evil, it is very easy to get overwhelmed by it and not believe in Christus Victor. It's easy to see the powers of evil as stronger than the cross. After all, if Christ has conquered evil, why is there child abuse? Alcoholism? Drug addiction? I was shocked this week. I was talking to one of the funeral directors here in town at Blair and Sons, and they told me that one-third of the funerals are, right now, are because of suicide or drug overdose in Perth. It's not as it should be. If Christ has conquered evil, why is the Ukraine or Israel or Palestine in the state it is? If Christ has conquered evil, why is there so much relational breakdown? Why are people feeling so lost and isolated and stressed and disconnected? If Christ has conquered evil, why is life so hard sometimes? Well, come with me to Romans chapter 8. Here the fight is acknowledged. Verse 22. And we know that all creation has been groaning, as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. And we believers also groan. Even though we have the Holy Spirit in us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when Christ will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. Paul tells us that evil is a present reality. All creation is groaning. The world is not what it is meant to be. When you see earthquakes and hurricanes and floods and famines, you see creation groaning. When you see death and destruction and decay, you see creation groaning. And the passage goes on to say that even we who are Christians are groaning because, well, life is still a battle. We're waiting and we're hoping and we're longing and we're expecting, expecting our deliverance. There is coming a day when we will step into the fullness of our inheritance when our bodies will be released from sin and suffering and will receive a new body that is whole and without disease. But until that day, we groan. And some of you know what it means to groan. Those of you who are battling with depression or anxiety have felt the inward groaning. Those of you who have come from dysfunctional families and the craziness that comes from that, you know what it means to groan. Those of you who grieve deeply of loss, you know what it means to groan. The older I get, 
I find myself groaning just standing up. <laughs> we live in a world full of pain. There are some days when, when you wake up and you see what God saw when he created the world, you take a look around and say, ah, life is good. And then there are other days and other times when we look around and we say, how long, oh Lord, how long? Paul goes on to say we have hope. Romans 8, verse 23. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. We hope because it's not a reality yet. We're not in heaven yet, but we have hope. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have hope. The time is coming when we will cease to groan, where you will know the fullness of your salvation. The passage says it is into this hope that you were saved. You were saved even though you were saved you still groan, but there's coming a, a time when you will be saved from the things that make you groan. There's a past, a, a present, and a future to the Christian life. The Bible says you were saved. When you gave your heart to Jesus and put your faith in his work and, and received him into your life and chose to follow him, you were saved. That's what the Bible says. Most of you know what it means to come to Christ. You know what it means to be forgiven of your sin. Of course, you know that there's still a work to be done, but you were saved. But many of you say, you know, I know I was saved, but I know God's still working on me. I'm not perfect. But God's working, God's spirit is active. He's changing me little by little. Most of you know what it means to see God at work in your life. There's still this inward groaning that, oh, I wish I was better than I was, holier than I am. Not everything is as it should be, but I see God at work. The Bible talks about that as you are being saved. Not only were you saved, you are being saved. This passage also talks about the hope for the future. We will be saved. Heaven is precisely heaven because there is no evil and there isn't anything tainted by evil. Because of what Christ has done, we can go there, but we're not there yet. So the question is, what do we do in the meantime? Do we just stand around enduring the results of evil until we die and go to heaven? Do we just hunker down and try to get through life as unscathed as possible? Do we just say about this world and about our own hearts, ah, oh, it's evil, that's life, live with it? No, that's not our call. Our call is to live in the present. Our call is to continue to apply the work of Christ to our hearts so that they are continually transformed. 
Our call is to apply the work of Christ to our life situations. Our call is to stand firm in the face of the enemy of our soul. We live in a world where, where evil is real, where the battle is sometimes fierce, and when you get beat up by a bad marriage, or when you get fit, hit with unfair work practices, when you're challenged by hatred, when you feel your body falling apart, it's easy to feel weak. When your anger is consuming, when your tendency towards greed is overwhelming, when the temptation to be less than ethical is there, it's easy to feel weak. But here's what the Bible says, verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all our hearts knows that the Spirit is, what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know God, that God causes everything to work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purposes. God understands your weaknesses. And he sent his spirit to live in you and to intercede for you. And in the middle of this world, God is with us. Notice that we were groaning inwardly because of life, and now the Spirit is groaning on our behalf so that the purposes of God might be fulfilled in you. When it feels like life is pressing in around us, I want you to know that God is with you. He's just not waiting for you to get to heaven. He wants to speak into your life right now. Yet all creation is groaning under the strain of evil. Yes, life gets messy, but the message of the cross is that God still comes into the middle of our messy world. He knows what it's like to walk in our shoes, and for those of you who would receive the work of Christ into your life, he would say to you, I am on your side, and that makes all the difference. Hear the word of the Lord. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? Who dares accuse us? For God has chosen his very own. No one. For God himself has given us right standing with himself. Who then will condemn us? No one. For Christ Jesus died for us and was raised to life for us. And he's sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scripture says, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things overwhelming victory is ours through Jesus Christ who loved us. And I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. 
neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries for tomorrow, not even the power of hell can separate us from God's love. No pow power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will be, ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. If God is for you, in the middle of a world filled with evil, who can be against you? He makes a difference. There was an old saint back almost a couple thousand years now, 1,800 years. Here, Mileto of Sardis, his description of the meaning of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Here's what he says. But he rose from the dead and mounted up to the heights of heaven. When the Lord had clothed himself with humanity and suffered for the sake of the sufferer and had been bound for the sake of the imprisoned and had been judged for the sake of the condemned and buried for the sake of the one who was buried, he rose up from the dead and cried with a loud voice, who is he that contends with me? Let him stand in opposition to me. I set the condemned man free. I gave the dead man life. I raised up uh, though I had been entombed. Who is my opponent? I am the Christ. I am the one who destroyed death, triumphed over the enemy, and trampled Hades underfoot, and bound the strong one, and carried off, the man, carried off man to the heights of heaven. I, he says, am the Christ. One reason why we're called to identify with Christ in baptism is we're called to identify with this charge on evil. Just as he overthrew the foundations of evil on the cross, the foundations of evil have been overthrown in our lives, but there is still work to do. For our call is to partner with Christus Victor to overthrow evil in our hearts, in our systems, and to hinder the work of the enemy. And the work is not complete yet. Jesus conquered by his work on the cross. But the call is to apply the work of the cross to all of life. I love hearing testimonies around this place. So good. Because I see a lot of evidence of you applying the work of the cross to your life. Some of you were held captive by the things that were done to you in your past. You were, uh, you were prisoner to the evil done against you, but you applied the work of the cross and you learned to forgive. And you watched the Spirit bring new life into your dead heart. And you're no longer a prisoner to your past. That's Christus Victor, Christ the Conqueror. He has given you victory over the shame of your past. I've been watching others of you who were played with harmful tendencies or addictions or codependent relationships, unhealthy responses to stress. But you have applied the, the work of Christ to your life, and there has been a change. Oh, there are places where you can't go and, and you can't uh, do, but your, your heart's safe. Christ has conquered. Evil doesn't have the same hold on your heart as it used to. 
I have watched some of you who have been influenced by the systems of this world and the systems that you work at. And because of what you've done in your workplace, it's a better place to work. You have spoken out against wrong and you've moved the place towards a better place in a better direction. That's applying the work across to your, the work of the cross to your life. I've watched with some of you who have wrestled spiritually. There are just weird things happening in your life on a spiritual level. Some of you know what it means to feel oppression. You know what it's like to sense the presence of something evil. But you have learned to apply the work of the cross to your life and Christ in you has won. Christus Victor. Christ is the conqueror. Christ gives us the victory. I see God at work in so many of you. But we're not in heaven yet. The battle of evil is still very real. Some would say the battle is growing more intense. We are still not in heaven, but neither are we powerless in the face of evil. Because of the cross, we have the resources by which to fight. Here, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Even though we live in a world that is saturated by evil, we do not have to fear because we have what it need, we need to fight. Jesus died, was straight to life again. With his work on the cross and by the power of the Spirit, we have everything we need to fight and to fight well. We will not demolish all evil. We don't believe in a utopia in this life. We believe in heaven, and we're not there yet. But we don't believe that evil must be left unchecked. We don't believe that evil needs to reign in our lives because Christ is victor. And his desire is that his work be applied to our lives. Here's where I think we are as a church. The work of the cross has been done. Christ has conquered. We have been given the power of the cross and invited to carry that power into our hearts and into our world. We've been given the spiritual weapons to demolish strongholds. We've been, even the gates of hell can't stand against us, uh, which, when we know how to live out the power of the cross. However, I believe we need to become much better at applying the work of the cross to the evil we see around us. So I look back at our recent history, I think the North American church has been better at applying a political power than the power of the cross. The church has become adept at renaming evil and then just living with it. Instead of calling it what it is and applying the power of the cross to it, it's my belief that we need to reclaim the power of the cross in our lives as well as a world. That's why we do discipleship around here. That's why we ran a set free retreat last fall and probably will run again, one again this fall. The power of the cross does amazing things when it's applied.
There is power in the cross. Jesus is Christus' victor. He triumphed over evil, sin, and death. He triumphed over Satan with his work on the cross. Next week, we're going to talk about how we apply the work that was done on the cross to our hearts and to our lives. How do we apply what Jesus did then to our lives now? Jesus wants to do his work in you. So I'd encourage you to come back and see the power of, uh, of, of the cross and how it works in you. Let's pray. So Lord, in this time, as we've looked at who you are and what you have done, we are so thankful. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the cross. You are victorious over all. You stand and you say, I am the Christ. And nothing trumps that. So, Lord, in this week, help us to see you at work, triumphing over evil around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us this week on Asbury Free Methodist Broadcast. Make sure to visit our website at asburyfmperth.com where you can subscribe and never miss a show. If you'd like this broadcast, you might want to check out our Facebook page, Asbury Free Methodist Church. Until next week, take care and God bless.